Well, Paul's language here is beautiful and reminiscent. He reminds us of who we are and who we were created to be. In Genesis 2, we're told that we were created from the dust, from the clay of the earth. And then Paul reminds us again here in 2 Corinthians that we are dust, that we are clay, that we are earthen vessels, beautifully made, purposefully made, wonderfully made, and yet also incredibly fragile. Unless we're left on a shelf to gather dust, this life is going to leave its mark on us. And what Paul reminds us here is that it's in those places and from those places where life leaves its mark on us that we have our greatest opportunity to leave our mark on this life. Something that we might get some meaning from as we arise from these past 15 or 16 months. This morning, as we consider this passage, I have three earthen vessels here for us to consider and three stories to go along with them. The first earthen vessel that I have that I want us to consider is actually from our fair trade shop across the street. If you're looking um, for some, some things like this, you might check into the fair trade shop every now and then. Buying things from our fair trade shop is a way for you to support artisans from around the world and give them a, a fair price for what they do. And it's just an incredible ministry. So you might check in from, with them from time to time. But this is a terracotta pot and it's not cracked at all for this illustration. I might have wanted it to be cracked, but Gwen, I'm not going to crack it. We're just going to leave it like it is. It's going to be like this. And it's meant to symbolize a story that is an ancient Chinese parable. The way the story goes is that there was this elderly Chinese woman, and she had these, these two clay pots. And, and one of the clay pots was kind of like this. It was, it was perfect and it was really put together, no cracks in it at all. And the other clay pot had a crack in it. And what she would do each and every morning is she would put those two clay pots on a pole and she would gather, she would carry them with her. And you've probably seen this before to a nearby stream to gather water. And she would get to that stream and she would fill both pots with water and then she would head back home. Now all along the way home what would happen is is that the perfect clay pot would hold its water perfectly and then the other clay pot had some cracks in it of course and so the water would leak out on the way home. And for two full years this happened. Every day the woman would go to the stream to gather water and every day she would arrive back with one and a half pots of water. And the cracked pot began to feel ashamed of this, very unhappy with himself. The, the, the perfect pot felt very good about himself, but the cracked pot felt ashamed. And so one day the cracked pot decided to speak to the woman. Remember, this is a parable. This is a fable. And the cracked pot said, I am so ashamed of myself because this crack in my side causes your water to leak out every day as we go back to the house. I've failed you. I'm, I'm miserable. I'm sorry. Maybe you should replace me with another more perfect pot. To which the old woman simply smiled and gently replied, Did you notice that there are flowers that line the path? on the way back from the stream to the house? Yes. See, I've always known about your flaw, 
the old woman said. So what I did was, is I, I planted seeds on your side of the path. So that every day as, as we walk back, I've been able to pick flowers to decorate our table and our home, to beautify our table and our home. So, so, so that without you being the way that you are, there would be much less beauty in our home. There would be much less beauty to grace our table. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians that we are fragile earthen vessels. And we know this to be true because we've all been damaged to some degree. We've all been, we've all been damaged by this life. We've all been damaged by circumstances. Some of us have been damaged by someone. If, if we're honest with ourselves, we all know that we are imperfect. That to some degree, we're not going to be effective enough or efficient enough or emotionally healthy enough to leave our mark on this life and the things that we've been given to do and leave the legacy that we would really like to leave. We know that. And God knows that too. God knows that at our best, most of us are like that cracked clay pot. We've been created to hold water, but we know we're not going to hold it well always, and God knows that too. Not perfectly, but God can also see what we can't see. God can also see that it's our brokenness that God often uses to bring about the greatest beauty in God's world. And God will continue to do this with us, especially if we will live a little bit more like this second clay pot. The second clay pot that I have is one that Christy got in Africa. It was made in Africa, and you'll, you'll see here that I have a candle within it. And I'm going to light that candle. There's holes in the side. You may have a hard time seeing the light. But I'm going to put that right there. In the first century, clay pots were used for a number of things. A clay pot might be used to hold drink. Or food, it might be used to carry water, like in that first story, or it might be used for carrying light. The Corinthian Christians would have understood this, would have understood this image of an earthen vessel being used to carry light like this. So Paul saturates this passage that we just heard with this image, with light, with, with visibility, with vision. Paul uses clay to remind us of who we are, and Paul uses light to remind us of who God is and how God works. Paul says that the one who spoke light into the world at the very beginning of time has also spoken light into each one of us. And the purpose for that light is twofold. It's for us, and it's also for others. It's the light of God in us that illumines us to God's glory and God's wonder in us and around us. And it's the light of God shining through us that illumines others to God's glory in the world. This is an image connected with the baptism from earlier in the service. Earthen vessels can be cheap and fragile. And they can be used to hold cheap and fragile things. But they can also be used to hold treasure. And Paul says that God's light within us is the treasure within us. 
It, it's a light that sometimes is, is difficult to see, especially on ordinary days. It's, it's somewhat like this, where in this well-lit room, it may be hard for you to see that there's even a light shining in there. But when it gets dark, when we begin to struggle, when things are difficult and pressing in on us, it's often in those moments where the light then becomes extremely visible. Which is why this second clay pot reminded me of a story I once heard about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It happened many years ago, of course, in Birmingham, Alabama, where Dr. King was speaking in uh, Alabama for the closing speech of the Christian Southern Leadership Conference. And, And the room where he was speaking was packed with black religious and civil rights leaders from all over the country who had Uh, protested and and participated in many boycotts and and marches and rallies, all of them conducted peacefully under the guidance and philosophy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Nearly everyone there that day was dressed in their Sunday best. They they, They were wearing nice white formal shirts and black suits and informal ties, except in the sixth row, there was a man Six foot two, 100 pounds, a white man named Roy James. He stood out, of course, because of his race, but also because of the casual white t-shirt he was wearing. The, the event was open to all, so that was okay. But, but what people there didn't know was that, Dr., that Roy James was a lieutenant stormtrooper in the American Nazi Party. And, and with each word of King's speech, he grew angrier and angrier. Until finally he bolted up onto the stage and his his right fist connected with Dr. King's left cheek, sending him backwards into kind of a partial turn. He he, he went down and then James went after him and and continued to to throw punches at him and and the audience, of course, screamed in horror. And as people began to, to rush the stage, there was this moment where Dr. King stood up to face his attacker and he dropped his arms peacefully and he just looked him in the eyes. Dr. King was bleeding profusely. It was aching from the blows. But this crowd watched in amazement as he he embodied the advice that he had received from Jesus to turn the other cheek. And so they just stood there and silently stared at one another. James anticipated that this crowd would come and beat him to a pulp. But Dr. King's voice rang out, as it did. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. No, we have to pray for him. No one touched him, and so no one harmed him. But instead, they paused in that moment and prayed for him. And you can bet that no one who witnessed that attack on Dr. King's that day ever forgot what they saw. Dr. King had already been threatened numerous times. His home had been bombed with his family in it. He had been shot at, beaten, and jailed, but most of these people in that crowd that day had never seen it. Now, they'd experienced much of this in their own lives, but they hadn't seen how he would respond if something like this had happened to him. They hadn't seen the nonviolence at his core express itself in one of those moments in this way. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we have this light 
this treasure, this power within our earthen vessels. That when we're hard-pressed on every side, we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus can be revealed in these kinds of moments. Dr. King's belief in nonviolence was rooted in his understanding of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And his ability to embody that was rooted in his relationship with Jesus as well. So that when he was persecuted, he was not crushed. When he was hard-pressed on every side, when he was beaten to a pulp, the life of Jesus in him was revealed to the world around him and the world slowly changed. This, this world will leave its mark on us. This world will leave its mark on you because there is no question about that. There's no question that each and every single one of us is a fragile earthen vessel. No question. Now the question is, when it happens, when this kind of thing happens to you, what will be revealed? The question is, what are you carrying around in you? When you are pressed, when you are crushed, when you are struggling, what do those struggles reveal about you and about our God who is the light within you? It's a very important question. One that points us to our third earthen vessel this morning. At the table of our Lord, we find two more pieces of pottery. A chalice and a paten. And they are meant to hold the symbols of the body and blood of Christ for us. They're meant to remind us of a third story. They're meant to remind us of, of that night when Jesus was handed over to suffering and death. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take, eat. And do this in remembrance of me. Friends, this is the body of Christ for you. Eat in remembrance of Christ. They're also meant to remind us of that moment after the supper when Jesus took the cup and said, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Friends, this is the blood of Christ for you. And we eat and we drink from this in remembrance of Christ and in remembrance of His sacrifice. And as we do, the third earthen vessel that I would like for you to consider is not the chalice or the paten, but you. All of us, left to ourselves, are empty vessels, or we can be. And all of us, left to our own ambitions or, or own devices, can live empty lives, but we don't have to. You don't have to. No, we can be vessels of living water. 
No, we can be vessels of light. And we can do this as long as we remember that we were put on this earth to be vessels of the living Christ who hold and unleash the living Spirit of Jesus into this world. And so, as we continue to worship this morning, may you remember and may you never forget that you are a vessel a fragile earthen vessel called by God to carry the light, life, and love of Jesus into the world. So, as we leave here today, how will you carry the light, life, and love of Jesus into our world?